Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it is Beatles week. Right here on Talk is Jericho, in honor of the upcoming 50th anniversary of the release of the Beatles classic, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band record. We're talking all things Fab Four this week, starting today with someone I was lucky enough to recently meet and sit down with, uh, rock historian, author, and Beatles expert R. Gary Patterson. His friends called him the Fox Mulder of rock and roll because of his knowledge and research into rock and roll conspiracy theories like the one we're going to talk about at length at this show, the famous conspiracy that Paul McCartney actually died in the 60s and was replaced by an imposter. Gary's going to walk us through the story behind how the myth got started, the many clues that Beatles fans say point towards giving the, 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 the theory some truth, and the many clues that Gary felt the Beatles planted themselves to perpetuate the story. It's a fascinating conversation whether you're a Beatles fan or not, whether you believe the conspiracy or not, whether you believe Billy Shears uh, took over Paul McCartney's identity. And while I'd always planned to have Gary uh, come back on the show, we even talked about doing a part two to talk about some of the other uh, multiple rock and roll urban legends it's not going to be possible I received some very sad news last weekend. Our Gary Patterson passed away last Friday night. Uh, Gary, you will be missed. Be missed, and if it is an honor that his uh, very last interview, as far as I know, is here on Talk Is Jericho. So, uh, Gary was a great guy. His stories, books, and research will live on. You can find all of his books, including uh, The Walrus's Paul, on Amazon. Our Gary Patterson. He wrote a lot of great stuff. Hellhounds on on, on their trail, which is about um, Robert Johnson and the Crossroads. Rhodes and Jimmy Page and Aleister Crowley and all that sort of stuff. So uh, Gary will be missed, but like I said, his stories and his books, his research will live on. Please uh, go uh, check it out uh, in honor of our Gary Patterson's great work in rock and roll. Let's get to this conversation about the biggest rock and roll urban legend of them all, that Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced by an imposter. All of the clues, all of the legend coming up. But first, I gotta say thanks to WWE Hall of Fame legend who's been a longtime supporter of this podcast. And so someone who's really on a bit on a mission to help everyone live a healthier life. And that's diamond Dallas page and his DDP yoga. So DDP also helped out Fozzie on this first leg of the Judas rising tour. We all have the DDP yoga now apps on our phones. We were doing DDP yoga on the bus backstage at some of the venues and hotel rooms. It helped us stay loose on stage and kept us from being sore after shows. And it 
really helped my singing because of what DDP Yoga does for your core. DDP Yoga can help you as well. It's more than just a workout program. It's truly a healthier way to live. And like I said, the app lets you do the workouts anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone or tablet. The app's also loaded with nutrition tips, cooking tips, and tools to track your progress. And right now, DDP is giving you 20% off the DDP Yoga Now merch and all DDPY-related merch when you go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of the deal that DDP is offering. 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all related Mattelchat ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. 20% off hats, t-shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape you've ever been in and do it with DDP now. This, this is Talk is Jericho. Yeah, I got into the Beatles when I was about 10 because my dad was a big fan. Uh-huh. And I didn't just get into them. I got like super obsessed to where I read every book I could find <laughs> and like a 10-year-old prodigy, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and you know, the, the as the years progressed, I started out like in the clean-cut Beatles, you know, mm-hmm. the good-looking guy Beatles. And then <laughs> as you get older, you realize that it's the post-marijuana Beatles yeah. that are the ones that really get moving, right? Post-LSD Beatles, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So um, actually sitting here with, with Gary Patterson, who is a uh, prolific author, who's written about a topic, actually a lot of different topics, but the one that really caught my eye was the famous uh, Paul is Dead story. And if you don't know the history behind that, basically the Beatles uh, have all these different clues and legends and um ideas and thoughts and stories that that basically Paul McCartney passed away. So I've been wanting to have somebody on Talk is Jericho for a while that knew about this and was an expert about it and basically through a fine set of uh, circumstances involving Dave Schrader at Beyond the Darkness, uh, available on the Jericho Network, quick plug. I was hooked up with uh, with Gary and happened to be in Knoxville, which is where which is where he lives. So we're here at the uh, International in the catacombs, <laughs> in the darkness, <laughs> which is very rock and roll, yeah, very mysterious. It is very rock and you roll. Know. So um, first of all, Gary, I mean, obviously a Beatles fan your whole life. Or? I have. First generation Beatles fan. So ah. it means I grew up with them. I remember the Ed Sullivan show on February mm-hmm. 9th, 1964. Did you watch it when you were a kid? I did. Changed my life. Made me want to play the guitar, which I did. Played in a lot of rock bands. Let me and, ask you a quick question. Uh, yeah. on, on that day in February uh, 1964, mm-hmm. what was the buzz for the Beatles? Did you know what they were? Had you heard anything? Or did, was everyone just talking about this band? There was a lot of hype. You know, I mean, being in, uh, I guess, seventh or eighth grade at that time. And, you know, I, I knew all the girls thought they were cute. So I thought, mm, I need to comb my hair down like that. <laughs> uh, learn a few guitar lessons and... But when they came on, it was a phenomena. And I guess what we'll talk, you know, just for a second, why can there never be another Beatles, Chris? I think because people have seen so much, and that was the perfect uh, example of cultural zeitgeist, political zeitgeist. Kennedy had just been assassinated. No one really knew what England was. Uh, New hairstyle, new style of music, kind of a combination of everything. Would you agree? I agree with you. I think also that the United States needed the Beatles for one reason you said. It was with Kennedy's assassination, the country was like in mourning. Mm. And then when the Beatles came over and they brought this lively music and they were so easy to like, 
because they had such a great sense of humor that it helped mm-hmm. get the United States out of the darkness that we right. were into. And uh, that was one. Another thing is Billy Graham actually stayed home from church that Sunday to watch the Beatles on TV. Okay. Now, you know, you normally think, well, that's kind of odd. And they'd sold out every seat the Ed Sullivan show, but there were so many ticket requests because people wanted to see it. So that night, when they came on, everybody I knew was in front of their television sets watching the Beatles. And at first, Ed Sullivan said he wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole or whatever, but changed his mind rather rapidly because with the Beatles, they didn't think they would go over here because there was only one British band that ever had a number one hit in the United States before the Beatles. And that was a group called the Tornadoes who did the song Telstar. And it was an instrumental. Instrumental, yeah. So I remember George Harrison saying, what do they need us for? (laughs) I mean, they've got Carl Perkins. They've got Little Richard. They've got all our heroes. What do they need us for? And when they got off the plane and all these thousands of girls had skipped school that day, to wait for them at the airport, they were amazed as well. So Mm -hmm. that started America's love for the Beatles, something that still goes on today. Because one of the fun things that I've noticed when I used to speak at Beatlefest when my book first came out was nine-year-old kids running around with Beatle T-shirts who knew every lyric to their songs. And I guess that's one thing you have to think about the, the power of the Beatles is they've crossed generations because even though... I know Frank Sinatra was cool, you know, the way he sounds, but I never had an obsession for my parents' music. Right. But these younger generations, they know all the Beatles stuff, so that shows what lasts. I think the Beatles and the Stones and those bands, mostly those two, when rock and roll started, there was really no map. And so you probably thought, well, you're going to be in a band for two, three years, then you finish. Whereas the Beatles, you know, McCartney's still doing it, Stone's still doing it, had that longevity to where it was cool to like your parents' music because of, I think before when you hit 40, you were done. <laughs> now you hit 75 and you're still touring stadiums like yeah. the Stones and McCartney are. I saw McCartney on his last tour in Nashville, and I was amazed that he played for three hours. Right. No breaks. Didn't even get one drink of water. Yeah. And was moving around on stage, and I saw the Stones two years ago mm-hmm. in Nashville, and I was very <laughs> blown away by it because the Rolling Stones was the first concert I ever saw in my life. What year? Was, it was 65. Wow. wow. And I was in, uh, bless my mom, she bought me a couple of tickets, so I took my girlfriend, and here we were in Knoxville watching the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And I thought, man, this was it was a golden time. It was a renaissance of sound. Right. And no one sounded alike. Mm-hmm. Now, they may have British accents, but you could never confuse the Rolling Stones and the Beatles or right. the Animals or the Kinks or the Yardbirds because I think that's one thing we miss today is labels get into a certain sound and they say, well, hey, this label has a 13-year-old girl country singer. Yes. We need a 13-year-old country singer who's a girl. And they go out and they do that. So it's like imitation mm-hmm. instead of being original, as right. you would know. Sure, you know, sure. And, and, and that's what you're saying. The Stones were always more of a blues band. The Beatles were more of a, a kind of a Memphis rock and roll band. But then they really uh, matured and started moving forward at an expansive rate. You think the entire career of the Beatles was basically seven years. Yeah. And all of the, 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 the styles and, and maturity that they showed. Which to me shows the the, the, the genius of these guys, uh, and, and how far ahead thinking wise they were, 
uh, along with, than, than their peers. And wasn't it great that they found the one guy exactly who could make all that happen, who right. could say, it's kind of a small world, Chris, because I was in London in 2013, and uh, I take a group of people over, and we were at Buckingham Palace, and the tour guide came over to me. She said, I understand you're a Beatle author. And I go, yeah, I got a book on the Beatles. She said, well, you may be interested to know that my grandfather played the piccolo trumpet on uh, (laughs) Penny Lane. Lane. And uh, he said that when he came home, he talked to my grandmother, and she said, who were you recording with today? He said, oh, some group called the Beatles. And (laughs) McCartney had heard the piccolo trumpet in a orchestra and he said i want the sound Mm -hmm. so george martin okay and he composed the pieces so with george martin i don't know if anyone could have brought out that sound i agree a a thousand percent and And he was a genius to even take a chance on it because like they said guitar bands are dead boy were they wrong yeah and but if you heard the first beatle demos i can see why they were turned down i mean when they're doing sheik of araby you know, yeah. stuff like My Bonnie that. lies over the ocean. My Bonnie <laughs> lies over the ocean. But that brings us to, you know, the, the, like we said earlier, they changed the, the entire cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. in the United States. And everyone, anything the Beatles did was followed. Haircuts, transcendent trans- meditation, Indian yoga, that sort of stuff. All of it. And fashion. The vo- and the vocabulary. You know, the just the idea of gear and fab. Right. Everybody was, you know, they were into it. They yeah. changed the world. Yeah, that's and gear. I don't know of another rock group that actually did that as far as changing society and creating a jargon that goes into a, a whole new phrase of being hip, you know, for a bunch of kids. Grotty. Yeah. And when, your hair, when you grew your hair out long, I know in, when I was in high school, I was always in trouble because the principal had a rule that your hair couldn't touch your eyebrows, your ears, or your collar. Collar. So a lot of us went home. But, you know, it was too cool not to. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. So everything the Beatles did was kind of on the tip of the, the tongue of the United States and the media. So that leads us to kind of the whole the whole legend, shall we say. Oh, I love of, legends. Of, That's my thing. Yeah. Paul, mm-hmm. Paul is dead. So... How did this whole thing start? And and because there's so many clues and there's so much to talk about, but let's go right <laughs> to the start. How did the rumor start okay. that Paul McCartney was dead? Well, what was odd is that when you decide that you know and want to research to get to the bottom of the level, the first thing you got to go is narrow it down in scope. So we know that the Beatles stopped touring in 1966. Right. Then the music changed. You know, there was no more I want to hold your hand and she loves you. You were doing Tomorrow Never Knows. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Revolver came out, you could tell something big was about to happen because nothing sounded like Revolver. And then Sgt. Peppers came out in June of 67, and the music was revolutionary. I mean, 
we know that McCartney was greatly inspired by the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds. Right. And the orchestras and all this were brought in. Some of the songs had a 1920s, 30s feel because of his dad, mm-hmm. who's a jazz musician. So, you know, that influence came in. But if you look at the cover, the Beatles looked different. You know, they had the wax figures on the left side. And then you look and they had mustaches. They were all dressed up in psychedelic band outfits, different colors. And, uh, you know, it designated that, that direct change. And a lot of people, Sgt. Pepper's was not really an album that you listened to the first time and said, oh, this is a great album. I get I it, right. It took me a while to get used to it. Especially for that time frame. Time frame was nothing, so ahead. There's no prog rock or anything like that. You know? No, no, it was nothing like that at all. And so you had to develop an ear for it. And as you know, as a musician, I mean, there's certain Led Zeppelin albums I had to develop a listening for sure to so i could get it but the beatles sergeant peppers was the one and of course magical mystery tour was songs left over from the sessions and then all at once it changes again then you're in the white album which would probably have been great as a one album <laughs> said if they could have left wild honey pie off and some of the others <laughs> yeah. and then what a masterpiece with uh, abbey road to end it hmm. and of course i know let it be a lot of people like the album to me I can tell a big difference between George Martin and Phil Spector's, you know, engineering. So, I mean, what a great album to end with. But when the music changed, people started thinking, boy, the Beatles have changed. You know, this something's not right. Right. Why are they not touring? I mean, look at the money they turned down. Mm -hmm. Uh, They only did two tours. And in the United States, you know, I mean, it's over. They're quiet. They're in the studio. Uh, we don't see them perform. We don't see them in public picture. They look different. And then, you know, from 67, as the music changed, in 69, Fred Labore and Russ Gibb <laughs> created the, the phrase because the first thing that came out was the Abbey Road cover, the funeral procession, all right? Right. Which was really interesting because, I mean, I had just bought Abbey Road, and when I heard that there were clues on it, I was just blown away. I wanted to see it. And, of course, nobody ever researched if really it was a Far Eastern symbol of this and that. You just accepted it and go on. Or was it just a coincidence they just showed up in those clothes? Well, see, that's what's kind of cool. I know that uh, I've been to Abbey Road as you have, yeah. and I've walked it as you yeah. have. Try and walk across like, right. straight on. Exactly. Yeah. But I will tell you, I was... When you're there in July and you're walking barefoot against that asphalt, that's not very comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's very hot. Right. And uh, so whether they set it up, we may never know. Because after I did my book, the anthology came out, and I have a friend who was with ABC Radio, and uh, he did an interview with Paul McCartney. And he had to call me that night, and he said, all right, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen. And you hear McCartney say, it became a bit of a game in the old Beatle days mm-hmm. to put hidden things in. Right. And he said, that's the first time they've ever admitted putting hidden things in. See, that's what I was thinking, Gary. Like, there's, we know how, how smart they are and how genius and almost probably bored sometimes <laughs> thinking, well, someone thinks I'm dead. Well, let's mess oh, with them a bit. Cool. Let's see what we can do to, to facilitate this rumor. And I've always thought about that because there's so many that, that you know they were just dropping stuff in well, just yeah, to they make did. fun. It's like I'm the walrus when John Lennon says, let them figure this one out. Right. Goo goo ka and yeah, all that. Yeah. But people did. You know, well, this is from Finnegan's Wake. You know, right before the Eggman. I am the Eggman. Humpty Dumpty fell from the wall. So it became 
probably one of the greatest games, but it was scary. I mean, there was something dark, like what if this did happen? Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is we'll take a look at what the dark side would have been because a lot of people weren't very happy with the Beatle influences. And if you remember 69, the year before that, you had the assassination of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at the CIA and all the government things to rid the world of Beatle influences, you know, who knows? I mean, we went through the Kennedy assassination, and you hear the word conspiracy. So it was something much believed at that time could have happened by a generation that was brought up in it. Mm-hmm. Now, today, I don't know if there could ever be an impact like the Beatles to create one of these Paula's dead rumors and and have it take on. Of course, there was no Internet. You know, Al Gore hadn't invented it yet <laughs> back in, uh, in 1969. <laughs> so you're you saying this started in 69? Because it seemed to me that, that it was earlier than that. Or were people going back and looking at Sergeant People Pepper? went backwards. Gotcha. Okay, See, gotcha. that was the thing. Because then people would say, well, you know, if they had these clues in 1969 on that be Road, let's go back. Right. And they started readdressing the music. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, one of the funny things was that people would say, look at the Help album. Paul's the only one who doesn't have a hat. Right. He's different. Well, see, the problem with that, the Beatles were touring in 1965. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't bring in an imposter teaching the bass parts, the vocal harmonies, as you know how hard that is, and then go out on the road and play and yeah. come back. So, you know. I remember the, another one was uh, was Rubber Soul. People would say it looks like four people looking over a grave. A grave, yeah. And you're in the grave looking Paul's up. Paul's looking away. And, yeah. And then the idea that rubber from a tire wheel and soul from a car accident, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And But see, it sort of made it fun because it's like back in ancient English literature, like Beowulf, where you would go and you would listen to a, a scop tell the story, and he would bring in a crowd. It's like who knew the new clues was the coolest kid because nobody knew it. So it was cool to be able to find that, no matter how totally ridiculous. Because when I did the book, I have I have the clues set up in three categories. The first are the totally ridiculous. You know, you just make it fit. Like take a sledgehammer, knock a square peg into a round hole, and there it is. Well, give us some of those ones. Well, I think Paul without a hat on the help out. Okay, this one. You know, and uh, some of the backward tracks that people hear because – in a backward track, which started with the Beatles, uh, you have phonetic reversals, which means that you would have to record it, a, a silly phrase, play it backwards, and then it would have to say it. it's like Stairway to Heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's phonetic. But the very true backward track, the very first one used, was in Rain, where John Lennon accidentally reversed the tape and thought it sounded so cool. He says, put this last verse. So when you hear him go, everybody, oh, he's chanting. I wonder what that chant means, you know, so they know it was backwards. But some of the things were rather funny. Mm -hmm. And the second group I classify as guided looking and guided listening. You know, do you look at that yellow flowered bass guitar on the Sgt. Pepper's cover? Does it really spell Paul question mark? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I don't see it. Well, let me show you. Right. If you look it, at oh, the cover, oh there's, a, there's a floral arrangement that if you look at it a certain way, could say Paul, Paul question, question mark. mark. Yeah. And then, of course, then you look a little more carefully and you notice it's a bass guitar, but there's only three strings on it. <laughs> like four Beatles, one's missing. That makes <laughs> yeah. three, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, 
Another funny one is the phrase on uh, Sergeant Pepper's with the red house and flower where it says, be at Liso. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa was supposed to be an underwater island that the Beatles had bought that McCartney's supposed to be buried. So, you know, th- those are very funny. Right. And uh, I guess another guided listening would be when you play a backward track like Revolution 9. And before you reverse it, you hear John Lennon say, so, all right, Paul, then we'd better go and see a surgeon. Now, really, did he say that? Or did he say, so the wife called, and we'd better go and see a surgeon? Mm-hmm. Or did he say, he hit a pole, we'd better go and see a surgeon? So you hear that. Right. But probably the one that really got most people was the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, where you hear John Lennon mumble, I buried Paul. That's what everybody heard. But if you talk to Derek Taylor, he said, no, he didn't say I buried Paul. Derek Taylor would be the Beatles PR guy. Yeah, Derek said, he said, I'm very bored. (laughs) And then John Lennon said, no, I didn't say I buried Paul. I said cranberry sauce. (laughs) So here you have three different interpretations, but it's what you hear. Now, to try this as an experiment, See if you can hear all three phrases when you hear it back. Sure. Listen carefully, and you can. Yeah. So that's what I mean by guided listening. But the third category, that was the one that interested me enough to do the book. And that means clues that had to be planted by the Beatles. Now, a lot of people believe that all of it was the first two categories. But for me, I'm pretty well convinced that they did plant several clues. Because, Let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. You said that it started in 69. Yeah, that How, was when the first clues, people started looking at okay, clues. So, so, but, but the rumor had started before that. Yeah, actually. Because they, they couldn't have planted the clues if it no, hadn't no. started before that, right? No. The funny thing is that if the clues were planted earlier, nobody missed them. I mean, people missed people them. People missed them. Nobody because them. remember in Glass Onion where John Lennon sings, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. Well, if he infers to another clue, that means there are other clues out there, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that he goes, hmm, <laughs> is he saying, you people are slow. You want to play the game? You want to figure out what walrus, uh, I am the walrus means? You've missed all these clues under your nose. Get on the ball. Get on the ball. So what were the clues that you thought were planted by the Beatles? Well, a lot of times I'll do radio shows. And, or maybe uh, we should back up and say, what was the actual story? Like, what's the well, Let's do story? the story. That's probably best to do it that way and then tell me the clues. Okay. Now, I agree 100% that there had to be a beginning. Mm-hmm. And that beginning to me was in 1966. So it had to be between August of 66 and before January of 67. So you had those few months. Right. Now, the story goes that the reason the Beatles weren't performing live was that Paul McCartney was killed in a car accident after leaving Abbey Road Studios after a little argument with some of the other Beatles. Uh, Some individuals say it was Ringo that had a problem that they were arguing, and he left. And uh, the accident occurred early that morning. He was killed. And then the Beatles, with the influences of EMI and the British government, realized how much money would be lost if the Beatles just disappeared. I like how the government's involved, of oh, course. Oh, the government involvement thing. <laughs> so let's bring in somebody who looks like Paul McCartney, and uh, let's keep the band going, but let's not play live. Let's just record in the studio. John, you sing all the songs, mm. and we'll have time to, you know, we can we can do it that way. We'll keep making millions of pounds. And then after we record so many albums, then uh, the Beatles can break up. But 
John Lennon, true to his fans, decided that he had to give clues that this guy really was not Paul McCartney. So the other Beatles put little hidden clues in to tip off their fans that this was really not Paul. Gotcha. And that's where the whole thing began. Now, one point that I always liked was in the Beatles Monthly, there was an article saying that Paul McCartney had been killed in a motor accident on the M1 motorway Mm -hmm. in the winter. It was so bad that Abbey Road actually called Paul McCartney's home at St. John's Wood and talked to him. He said, no, I'm fine. I've been here all day. (laughs) But then I was wondering, hmm, they thought I was dead. There was a public outcry on that. That might be a fun thing to try. (laughs) So maybe that stoked the idea from the Beatles Monthly. Gotcha. But after that, no one really knew what was going on until it really hit the fan. In 1969, when Russ Gibb was doing his radio Is show. Is he a DJ? Yeah, the DJ okay. in Detroit. Okay. Where a guy named Tom called him. He said, I want to rap with you about McCartney being dead. He goes, what do you mean? He said, well, listen to this. And they started playing song clips, playing records backwards, and created a hysteria. In New York, you had Roby Young, who was with ABC, and uh, the program director comes to the station. He says, you've got to stop playing this. You're creating a national hysteria. And Roby Young always believed he was fired because of that. Mm-hmm. But oh wow, he did. You know, he felt like. And I think that in an interview with Roby, I remember him saying a, a very puzzling thing. He said that one of the people from WABC went to uh, London and attended the engagement party of Paul McCartney and uh, Jane Asher. And he said, but you know what was odd? He was seems like he was much more interested in this photographer, you know, Linda Eastman. And uh, so I went over. He went over to one of the guys at Apple, and he says, you know, uh, Paul seems like he's spending more time with this photographer. And he said, the guy looked at him. He said, that's not Paul. That's his double. Weird, eh? Is that not weird? (laughs) And so, which would mean that this thing was already being worked up. And, of course, when Terry Knight came over, he did a song, uh, I Who Have Nothing, and also managed Grand Funk Railroad. When he came over, it seems like the story started, you know, with uh, a number of hits that he did. And there were groups called Billy Shears and the Paul Bears. <laughs> and the songs that were created, Brother Paul, all of these things took off. So it was being played on radio, and DJ spread it like wildfire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. is Jericho. All right, Gary, let's get right down to the nitty-gritty here. Who was the imposter, Paul McCartney? Well, Fred Labore, when he did his uh, analysis of the Sgt. Pepper's cover, said there was a Paul McCartney look-a-lot contest in Canada, okay? And uh, the winner was a name, Keith Allison. And uh, if you remember, there was a song called 98.6, and the guy who sang it, his name was Keith. 
and he looked almost identical to Paul McCartney. Now, I was lucky enough to see him in concert. He did one song with my second concert I saw. <laughs> but uh, I remember that. And so the Paul McCartney Lookalike Contest. The name was given as William Campbell was the name. That's Fred Labore. But then after everybody started looking for clues, they noticed on Sgt. Pepper's when McCartney sings, I don't really want to stop the show, but I think you might like to know the singer's going to sing a song and he wants y'all to sing along. So let me introduce to you the one and only Billy Shears. So then Billy Shears became the imposter. And in one underground magazine, they even said that Billy Shears lived in Chelsea. His father's name was Philip Shears. I mean, it goes through the whole, the thing. whole thing. Oh, but, but it became incredible. Like, for instance, if you look at the fold-out uh, liner from the White Album, there's a small picture of Paul McCartney in disguise with glasses and his mustache. Yeah, the old Groucho Yeah, Marks and they said, what did they put in there? And they go, well, that's because the Beatles wanted to show you what the guy looked really like here. <laughs> so that was his picture. And it was amazing to me to have lived it, but to have found a lot of clues that other people had you know, that they just really thought were significant and wondering, you know, how could they put all this together, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was the idea that Billy Shears, William Campbell, the imposter. And of course, when Ringo comes out, he asks, you know, would you stand up and walk out on him if he's sang out of key? Well, you know, McCartney had a great voice. So maybe that was what the <laughs> Beatles were afraid of. Uh, Paul's dead. And, you know, I hope you liked his new guy as well as you do Paul. We made him look just like him. You know, Wasn't there something to do with Paul's tooth? Didn't Paul have a chipped tooth or something beforehand? Look at the video to paperback. Ryan. Yes. It's weird. Look at the video to rain. And when he sings, you see this missing tooth. Yeah. And uh, they said, ah, another clue, another clue. Well, I talked to Paul's stepsister, and she told me that the missing tooth was from a motorbike accident they had in Liverpool where he knocked his tooth, and he also cut his lip badly, and that's why he grew the mustache on Sergeant Pepper's to cover the scar. Wow. And they had to take him to to her aunt's house to have his stitches placed in because he's Paul McCartney in Liverpool. They could never keep the crowd away. Right. So that's the story of the missing tooth. But Mm. the idea of the imposter, I don't remember Paul ever having a missing tooth. (laughs) Another clue. And, but, you know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. And even the lyrics within Sergeant Pepper. I mean, you you were talking about that that he left in the morning, Wednesday morning at five o'clock. She's going, she's leaving home. Mm -hmm. There's, There's other lyrics as well, right? Oh yeah. I mean, all of these things fit into the idea that something happened. So let's go back to 67 and say that was the year that the clues were first placed. Now, some people will go back to the Beatles yesterday and today because the title yesterday, today, the past and the present, right? And then there's the famous picture that was the butcher cover. Right. That they had on the, the album. The cover that was banned where the Beatles kind of covered in raw meat and <laughs> baby yeah. doll heads. Yeah, and another yeah. great uh, urban legend was that the record company uh, was upset because the Beatles made the picture to show how the American label had butchered their albums, you know, <laughs> taking the, the songs out of sequence. But they obviously wanted to do this surrealistic photo, but they pasted the new cover. And with a new cover, you see Paul McCartney sitting in a trunk, mm-hmm. and the other Beatles are standing above him. You have songs like Nowhere Man, 
you know, yesterday, mm-hmm. all these songs that a lot of people said, mm, maybe it's this album. Dr. Robert. Yeah, Dr. Robert. <laughs> you doctor know, that, that was the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so they were going back. And that's the that was what I mean by going back and, and making it fit with a sledgehammer because when did it start? Now, I know that if you take a look at the Sgt. Pepper cover, the thing that really got me was that all of the people on the cover, the album is incredibly genius. But, I mean, you have people who were tragic, people who were comedians. It's like the yin-yang everything. of everything. Famous people, Alice, historical yeah. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had Aleister Crowley on the top row of the left side. Who's that? Aleister Crowley. Oh, well, Aleister Crowley, yes, yeah. yes, of course. And then you have uh, on the right, ha- right I side. I thought you said Aleister Crowley. Oh, no. Like, Alistor. He's the guy that runs the tavern down the street. Yeah, You're talking about Mr. Crowley. So Mr. Crowley's on Mr. it. Mr. Yeah. Crowley. And uh, I always think it's kind of fun because when you talk about Crowley, I mean, even Ozzy has a song called Mr. Crowley. Yeah. But his name was pronounced Crowley because it rhymes with holy, I guess. Oh, okay. But, you know, you see him on the front. So you have uh, this whole example of human life and experience but what gets me was life magazine came out with a interpretation when the paul is dead rumors came out in 69 and they noticed this open hand over paul's head and they said that was a far eastern symbol of death if a person i'm saying where do you find that far eastern symbol of death (laughs) but on the worst i mean the easiest thing about it is that he's picked out of the other four he's standing in the one position that a hand is raised over his head to say this one. Okay. Right. Now you have the Beatles, how they looked in 1964, the wax figures from Madame Tussauds looking over at how they look today. They're all dressed the same in one. They're all different than the other, probably a representation of how the music changed and how they all brought in contributions. Now it just wasn't Paul and George or right. John. And uh, if you take a look at the bass drum, this is the thing that when I saw this, I thought somebody has really let this ride and deserves a heck of a lot of credit because it changes the whole history of the Sgt. Pepper's album, which is its 50th year anniversary, so it's a good time to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look, the rumor was that the flowers where it says Beatles – and notice it doesn't say the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It says Beatles, which means like mm, some Beatles. One's missing, like the the missing bass mm-hmm. guitar string. Now you can fit that in, but if it if you look at it carefully, you'll see that in the crowd there is Lewis Carroll, who's black and white, and Lewis Carroll, John Lennon loved him, and he wrote Alice's Adventures to the Looking Glass, and there were rumors that you could take mirrors. And you could find other clues. So if you look at the drum skin, Peter Blake designed the whole cover. The drum skin was designed by a fairground painter whose name was Joe Epgrave, E-P-T-H-G-R-A-V-E. Now, when you see Epgrave, you notice epitaph grave. An epitaph is on a tombstone. So if you were going to a graveyard and you saw a tombstone, the first thing you would notice, of course, is the name of the person, and then you would note the time of death, the date of death. So you keep that in mind. And then, like Lewis Carroll says, use a looking glass, take a straight-edge mirror, lay the album flat, take the straight-edge mirror, I guess I could say put it dead center in Lonely Hearts, because Lonely Hearts is a completely different font. Right. 
you know, so it stands out. There were two bass drum skins designed. They're different, except for the phrase Lonely Hearts. So put the mirror in the center. Going from left to right, it spills out a hidden message. You know, instead of uh, Lonely Hearts, it becomes numeral one, O-N-E, which spells one again. Then you get numeral I-X, which is nine. And then the oddest thing of all, it says, he die. And between he and die is a diamond-shaped arrow that points straight up to Paul McCartney and down to the grave. So when you first see it, some people thought, well, one, one, nine, he died. Let's see, let's have one, and then O-N-E again, and then numeral one, and then let's put the X to cross out the fourth one. And I said, it can't be that, because what it has to be is a date. Mm-hmm. All right, so take a look. One, one, nine would be, the two ones together would be 11. And then numeral nine would mean the ninth day, so you would have November 9th. Which, by the way, is my birthday. Well, congratulations. That's even better. <laughs> and I also want to say to people that are listening, Gary says, if you check that mirror and try it, this is exactly what it says. I did it years ago. So continue. This is real. This is, this not, is real. Just, this no, is not hearsay. It's not something you're going to think somebody sees that right. is not there. This is something that is startling when you first see it. So what's interesting is that Sergeant Pepper was the very first album in rock history that had lyrics included on the album on cover. The back. So you turn over on the back, which is blood red. Paul McCartney has his back to the camera. He's different from the Beatles, yep. which he'll be in just about every photo shoot <laughs> after that. And George is standing there, and he's pointing with his thumb. And he points to the line, the first line of She's Leaving Home, that says Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock as the day begins. Now, there are at least three Beatle references that mention a car accident Paul McCartney had on November 9th, 1966. And so I researched that. And then if you look... Which song is he talking about? She's Leaving Home. Yeah, She's Leaving Home, the very opening line. Mm -hmm. Day in the Life talks about a car crash. She blew his mind out in a car. Yeah. Uh, Well, that was on Day in the Life. Yeah, Day in the Life. So he mentions that. You said three different songs, though. I was just wondering... Oh, yeah, you do that. And then on a Day in a Life, if you... This is what, to me, is kind of funny. Listen to it when he says, uh, nobody was really sure if he was from the House of Lords. That's what the album says, but he doesn't say that. He says... Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of Paul. <laughs> His voice goes into falsetto. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it doesn't even say Lords, you know, and which I thought was, wow. That's great. And if you go back to to Wednesday, uh, let me go back to November 9th, 66, you'll notice it's a Wednesday. So here it is, Wednesday morning. And uh, they mentioned the accident occurring in the other sources at, at uh, 5 o'clock. So you now have the exact day, month, year, and hour that this occurred. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And then a few little things in their songs that go along with it. So that's why I think Sergeant Pepper was brilliantly put together to hide that clue. Now, that makes you wonder, you know. So you're saying that they, was, that they did that one on purpose. They had to. Now, when you research it, you'll find out that... The phrase Lonely Hearts was suggested by Mal Evans, who was one of their Security managers with Apple. Managers, mm-hmm. yeah. Tour manager went along with them. Everything, yeah. Who unfortunately had a 
pellet rifle in California the police thought was a real gun and shot him and killed him. He was cremated and his ashes sent back to England and they never got there. And John Lennon said, just like Mal, to, to end up in the dead letter office. You know? <laughs> but, you know, just the idea that if he came up with the idea, he had to know the phrase. Hmm. So, you know, what what do we do? We look at it and then we notice that there was an album released in England that was never released in the United States. It was called A Collection of Beatles Oldies. And, uh, you know, because they never put out a Greatest Sits album at that right. time. But in England they did. And on the drawing, if you look, there's a figure that has a beetle haircut and has shadows across his face. And if you look, there appears to be a car driving off the road headed to the figure's head. Wow. Head injury. And if you look at the bass drum again, it has another message. It says oldies, O-L-D-I-S. Now, I don't know how well you're familiar with Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. but what he did was the killer computer, his name was Hal, Hal yeah. H-A-L. Well, it was code because you go to each letter above those letters, and it gives you the answer. The letter comes after H is I, the letter comes after A is B, and the letter comes after L is M. IBM, the real killer computer system. <laughs> so do the same thing with oldies. The letter that comes after O is P. The letter that comes after L is M. And then read the last three. Dies. D-I-E-S. <laughs> same time, right before Sergeant Peppers. So, you know, that could be a great coincidence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're designing a drum skin with a mirror that says 119, he dies at the same time, you have to look at it in a whole different way. Yeah, especially, you know, like you said, Julie, you know, here's another clue for you, all the walruses. Yeah. Paul. I mean, they're these dropping things. this stuff in there now, just, yeah. just, just like you said, for sport. Yeah. And, right. you know, I mean, it, there's a way to look at it. I mean, I think I finally found out why they did it, and uh, which I'm going to tell you. Chris. Why? Yeah, please. Yeah, I'm going to share this with you. We'll keep it between us. Yeah, okay. We're not going to tell anybody <laughs> else. No. What happened was I think the Beals were really afraid that the Sgt. Pepper album might flop mm. because they knew it was different. And some people who'd heard it earlier, some critics hated it. Unbeatly. I can see that for sure. I can't Completely too. different from anything else. So how about an insurance policy? Meaning? Meaning that what if we put some fun hidden clues on there to make people think Paul was dead? They may not like the album, but they'll buy it to get the clues. Right, right, right. right. So a little marketing ploy mm-hmm. to help it go. How did it work? Well, when the Paul is Dead rumors came out in 69, all the early Beatle albums jumped back on Billboard's charts <laughs> because people were buying them again to look for clues. Right. Or they were scratching their record so badly, playing them backwards, that they had to, you know, had to rebuy it. So that was the thing. Now, to me, that makes some sense. The funny thing sure. is, they, the funny thing is that they've never, ever said what they did. You know, that they did as a gag, and boy, you guys missed this one. You should have seen that one. And I think what happened there occurred about the same time that the rumors started in 69, and that involved a guy whose name was Charles Manson. Because if you remember the Helder Skelter murders, it involved the Beatles talking to him, as he claimed, Through on Helder the White Skelter, Album. the song. Right. Yeah. Now, what would it be like if Lennon and McCartney had been subpoenaed to come to California by Manson's defense team and be asked 
did you put hidden messages in your song that may influence a person's behavior? Right. And what would they say? Well, we did put some hidden things in to make people think Paul was dead, but we didn't mean anything to Charles Manson. Yeah. Because Manson took it rather seriously. Revolution number nine, Revelation nine from the Bible. The four angels rising from the bottomless pit with hair like women and breastplates of iron, which uh, Manson thought would be electric guitars. And they're waiting for the fifth angel to start the apocalypse. His name's Apollyon. Well, Manson's followers called the Beatle offices every day for about two weeks before the murders. Mm. So there were phone records. For what reason? To tell them that he's ready. He's the fifth. He's going to join them. They're going to do this whole racial apocalypse. That's why you had Helder Skelter written in victim's blood. That's why you had Blackbird. That's why you had Rise. Because of probably the ultimate misconception of Beatle lyrics through Charles Manson. So it would be a terrible nightmare in public relations that happened with judas priest decades later with where two people committed suicide right according to judas priest lyrics they had to go to trial they did priest was on trial and had they been found guilty for influencing these kids to kill themselves it could have gone to jail for it could have been ages right so So, same same story here with the beatles yeah it does and right and ozzy osbourne had a little problem with it as well so You can see that, you know, maybe the best thing to do is just shut up, mm-hmm. not say anything about it. Mm-hmm. But I still think they gave clues because John Lennon and How Do You Sleep has a line where he says, those freaks was right when they said you were dead. Right. Yeah. You know, which was the big put down. They knew it was up, right? Yeah. And then Ringo, back off Boogaloo, Philip Norman said that Boogaloo was the name that the other three Beatles gave McCartney. Because they'd come in the studio and he had reproduced Ringo's. He'd redo the drum parts for Ringo. And Ringo had to sit there like he didn't notice. And uh, he would play the guitar parts that George was supposed to play. So back off Boogaloo, uh, there was a thing about getting off our backs, Paul. Right, and right. the line that where he says, uh, uh, back off Boogaloo. Uh, don't forget that you were dead or you spread rumors you were dead. So you have that. So there's a little little thing in there. But you would normally think that when Paul McCartney came forward on Life Magazine, now this is odd, now this is coincidence, but Life Magazine came out once a week, okay? And it came out on November 7th, which is <laughs> in 67. Uh, I'm sorry, 69. 69. It would be the anniversary of the car accident because it came out that week. And if you turn over the cover, there's a car ad on the back. And if you look through the light, it cuts off McCartney's head. (laughs) Now that was not planned, but still it just shows how it works. You know, that people were noticing all this. So he comes out and he says, if I were dead, I'd be the last to know. And he says, I'm fine. I'm here in Scotland. You know, I have no idea how those rumors started. And, uh, Everybody said, oh, he's alive. Let's go on to something else. But sometimes there's a few other things that are in there. I know that McCartney must have a good time with it because he had the album Paul is Live that right. came out where he's walking across Abbey Road. Like a, uh, yeah, like a parody of, of Abbey Road. Exactly. Yeah. A leading or the dog leading him. Arrow, the sheep dog that belonged to James. <laughs> Barefoot again. Right. You know, the same suit that he wore, you know, from the tailors that did the the mm-hmm. suit he wore on the abbey road cover and then the volkswagen beetle that says 51 is and not 28 is <laughs> well that's i was going to discuss that so there's a license plate on the abbey road cover of, of a car volkswagen mm-hmm. beetle and it says 28 if 
Yeah, because there's five Beatles. The Volkswagen Beetle was the fifth one. <laughs> and you look at the call, look at the tag, it's 28F. It really starts with LMW28IF. And here's where he gets, you know, the, the round peg being smashed in the hole again. Paul McCartney would have been 27 years old when the album came out. But when they saw 28, well, you know, Far Eastern religion says you also include the time in your mother's womb. So that would be his 28th year of life. Yes. So then people would look at the phrase LMW and they say, well, that's oh, Linda McCartney weeps 28 if and made it fit. But it did say 28 if. Yeah, 28 if he still was alive. If he's right. still alive. Now, there was some fun, Chris. I mean, when the Magical Mystery Tour album came out, where they're all dressed up in the animal outfits, if you take, the rumor was you take the album, you turn it upside down, you take the word Beatles, you connect it with a marker in a mirror, it gave you a phone number. And if you called that phone number at Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock, you would find out the answer. So whoever had that number, people would call. But here's the odd thing. People swore that they heard three ves- three uh, messages. Number one, a funeral home. Number two, a voice that says, only said, you're getting closer. Mm-hmm. And then the third voice was a chance to play Beatles trivia to send you a wonderful place called Pepperland. <laughs> and then when it really hit, no more phone calls. Mm. But, you know, I didn't do that because I didn't know that at the time, but I thought it was kind of funny. And there were other things that were totally ridiculous, like the song I Am the Walrus. Uh, the word walrus was supposedly Greek for corpse. And that's not true. It's not at all. It's, and it's, it's uh, the Greek word people would hear it. Oh, that, I, I read that. It has to be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the corpse. And uh, and then it, it it went on to some of the other things that were kind of interesting. And one of the things, if you listen to the end, I am the walrus, there's a radio fade-in from the BBC that comes out of King Lear, and you hear a voice say, bury my body. And he goes, what? Is he dead? And another voice goes, oh, untimely death. You know, aha, there's, there's another, another clue. clue. Right, right. You know. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is talk is, talk is Jericho. All right, I'm sitting here with R. Gary Patterson as we continue talking about the great Paul is Dead urban legend. Now, the song Revolution Number no. 9, there's always the rumor that there was actually like an audio tape of the burning wreck that Paul had died in that plays throughout that. In the back, that's where you do it backwards, and you'll hear a voice scream. And he'll go, let me out, let me out, screaming like that. And then uh, it sounds like you have a requiem mass musically playing in the background with it. And uh, it's very odd. But, you know, what they did is they took the tape and they cut it into several inches and threw them up in the air. And George Martin and Jeff Emmerich just spliced them together. And they were sitting there with erasers from pencils on the playhead as they're recording it, making all those sounds. So 
As John Lennon said, he said, you know, one day in the future, all music will be like this. Well, thank God it wasn't. Yeah. I was say, maybe that's just the excuse for Revelation. When I say there's death clues in it, that's the only reason why you'd want to listen to it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and then, of course, when you played things backwards, we had the test engineer going, number nine, number nine, yes. 13 times. Very and then creepy. When you played it backwards, turn me on dead man. Or in the British, turn me on dead man. Turn me on dead man. And uh, nine, because McCartney was the only Beatle with nine letters. and Died on the ninth. Nine. You November know, ninth. One after 909. <laughs> and when I look at something, I mean, I know that fate, and I know there's just strange things that you look at something that doesn't happen, and you look at it and say, you know, this is odd. And to me, the strangest thing was on the Magical Mystery Tour album, where there's a scene with John Lennon standing next to a sign. He has this big thick walrus style mustache and on the sign it says the best way to go is by mdc and the rumor in 69 was mdc was a funeral home well, that's not true and md coach was supposed to be the bus mm. but the odd thing to me was that here's Lennon standing to a sign that says the best way to go is by mdc the exact initials of mark david chapman Wow. And then if you look at it this way, the Magical Mystery Tour album was released in 1967 on December the 8th, mm. the exact anniversary of John Lennon's murder by Chapman, right. which had been 13 years to the day the wow. album came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And you have that picture and you see it and you know that wasn't planned. But just the idea of happenstance, coincidence, whatever, sends that little cold chill up your spine when mm. you see it. And there's a lot of that in this, like you said. I mean, it, it, that's why it's such an interesting topic because whether you created it, whether you just made it up, there's so many in this long laundry list that we've gone through. Some planted, some just by fate. And that's why it, it's taken on a life of its own. It has, and it still has mm -hmm. because – I guess you'd say I'm the rock expert for Coast to Coast AM. Yeah, I love it. And I, I do it an awful lot. And um, they called me one afternoon, and they said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? They said, we have proof that Paul McCartney really is dead. I said, what? No, no, no. I mean, really, really. Uh, so they sent me some information, and I read it. A lot of photographs where some guy had done – Photos of Paul in 66, photos of Paul in 1969, the faces didn't match. Head structure was wrong. Eyes were too far apart. And there were voices had changed, all of this. Wow. So I thought, well, I've got four hours to research this. So living where I do in Knoxville, Tennessee, there is a very unique place called the Body Farm. The Body Farm. Yes. What's that? Well, it's forensic studies. Oh. What they do, I, I mean, we can't go in there. I know you'd like to, Chris. <laughs> yeah. What they do, they take bodies and they lay them out in the open and they watch how they de decompose trunks of cars. And Dr. Bass is the, the head of it. And he's probably more interested to fans in rock and roll because he's the one who did the Big Bopper's autopsy when uh, they exhumed his body several years ago. The plane crash, right. And... Um, his son, J.P. Richardson, was a friend of mine before he passed away. He told me the whole story about that. The plane so, crash? Mm -hmm, uh, the plane crash and the autopsy because he was afraid his father, with his body being found 40 feet in front of the plane, he was sitting behind the pilot, and his father was 40 feet in front of the plane over a fence, but he Holly was to the right 
Richie Valens to the left, the pilot still in his seat, and he was afraid his father may have survived for a while and was trying to crawl through that field to get help. Wow. And he wanted to know if that was possible or did he die on impact, which is what he wanted to know. Right. You know. So they found the answer to that because Dr. Bass did the whole thing and did it. So I had a What was friend. the answer? Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, Rabbit hole. <laughs> well, hey, we have fun. Yeah. But what happened was the reason this happened in the first place was that in Beaumont, Texas, they had built a monument to J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, and they exhumed his wife's body, got permission from the son, and they said, now we're going to exhume your father, and we're going to bury him next to your mother by the monument. And J.P. said, well, wait a minute. He said... I want to have an autopsy done on my father. So that's when he called Dr. Bass, and Dr. Bass agreed to do it. So there were other rumors, too. You Like, for instance, on that plane, why did it crash nine miles after takeoff? I mean, head first into the, into the ground. Hmm. I'll tell you some good stuff about this later. Right. But what happened was that J.P. had never seen his father. He, he was born th- three months after the crash. Wow. So when they exhumed the body to the funeral home and put it in an outside building. J.P. said, I want to see my dad. Now, i got to tell you, it would be awful hard to look at your father's corpse, who had been dead for 50 years. Yeah, skeleton. And Dr. Bass tells him, he says, you know, I need to prepare you because this might not be something you want to see. But he, he kept insisting until they opened the coffin, and they said that his father looked just like he did in 1959, that his haircut, his crew cut was still immaculate How? condition. I have no idea. Very well preserved. Very little water leakage into the coffin. Hmm. So he stood there and he looked and Dr. Bass came over to him and he said, I don't think we actually need to do a physical autopsy. He said, why don't you let me do it with x-rays? And that way, you know, don't have to cut into the corpse and all that. So they agreed. Now, the reason JP wanted to do it There's an urban legend about the plane crash that there was a bullet hole in the back of the pilot's seat that a gun had gone off and the pilot had been killed. Wow. All right. So he wanted to know, and he told me this. He said, you know, I did my share on this to find out if it was true. So what they did, they did the x-ray autopsy, and they found out that every bone in the Big Bopper's body was broken. So he died immediately. He wasn't suffering. He wasn't crawling through the field. And they didn't find a bullet hole with a big bopper. Okay. And the other thing is, too, which people don't know who really love to keep the urban legend going, there was only one autopsy performed, and that was on the pilot because that was federal regulations, and there was no bullet hole there. Hmm. But uh, it's a great story. By the way, I should say that I've just been hired to be a consultant on a Buddy Holly documentary. Nice. And what we're going to do is we're going to have some stories that you'll never see on another Buddy Holly documentary. It makes it even more interesting. It was fun Absolutely. for me. I told them I'd do it if they tell the truth mm-hmm. and, you know, that it's not like any of the others that I've seen constantly on the same topic. And uh, one of my good friends is Peggy Sue Guerin, who Buddy Holly wrote the song Peggy, Peggy Sue, Sue for. So we did that. But that was the thing. So I had a friend from who had was working with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation who had studied at the body farm. And I said, I want you to help me with this. So got together for about two hours and went through the whole thing and explained how everything was different. 
Like, for instance, in photography, if you take a picture and you stretch it to fit an album cover, it makes the eyes further apart. Mm. So you can't really go by that as, as that's it. Right. The shape of the ears, you know, the, the situation with that. So on my website, there's a thing where I write my evaluation of the latest Paul's Dead Rumors, and I went through what they said. Mm-hmm. And that's at www.rgarypatterson.com, and you can read it because this was more like a scientific testing. And the voices being different, in Life magazine they had an article by Dr. Truby at the University of Miami saying that Paul McCartney's voice was different from Yesterday and Hey Jude that the voices didn't match like a sonogram. Well, I heard Paul McCartney a couple of years ago, and he's saying, maybe I'm amazed, and he couldn't hit the high notes, so his voice had changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still great. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah. a, you know, not a put-down at all. He's 70-some years old. 70-some right? years old, and he's singing a song that most people couldn't hit now. Yeah, right. And uh, But, you know, the whole thing was just ingenious how it was done. But there were things there, too, and, and I had people come up to me when I signed books, and this one lady told me, she says, do you know that can't be Paul? I, I said, really? She goes, you can tell by the eyes. I go, hmm, okay. Hmm. So there are people who are major believers. Believers and I mean, of this, yeah. Some of the stories, I mean, I'm always amazed. And if you remember last year, there was a fake Internet article where Ringo Starr says – I'm getting older now. I need to tell you all that Paul McCartney really did die in 1966, and we replaced him with an imposter. So I bet I had 12 phone calls that day wanting to talk about Ringo's confession. I said, look at the site. Yeah. You know, it's satire. Johnny's website or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fake news. (laughs) So just to to kind of wrap up this thing, i got a couple more questions because we're starting to run run out of time. But So basically, Paul, you mentioned about the game and stuff like that. Paul or Ringo has never come out completely and said, here is what we've done. Do you think they ever will? One part of me hopes they never do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's so much fun. Right. And uh, to me, it's every generation gets into it because they may not even be a Beatle fan, but the idea of something hidden, something dark and sinister, right. some government conspiracy always brings us to it. And if it brings us to it through the story, it also introduces us to some of the most fascinating music You'll ever hear. It's it's like the rock and roll version of Bigfoot or UFOs or Loch Ness Monster. It's always going to recycle itself. Yeah. People will always discover it and want to know more about the the evidence. Yeah. Well, what I did when I did Walrus's Paul is I tried to keep it in a chronology like you were just now discovering it for the first time yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, try to keep keep the emotion going there, you know, with it, along with some of the facts in Beatle history. But I don't know if they'll ever say it. I did have a call on Coast to Coast from a rock musician who told me that he had, was in London and that Ringo had told him it was a gag and how they did it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't spoken to Ringo, mm-hmm. though I do know 
one of his former girlfriends pretty well. All right. Yeah, I, I should say when you were dating Ringo and engaged to him, uh, did ever he ever anything? mention this? <laughs> like I say, we, I know you've written a couple other books too, and we, we have to have another another part to this because there's so many other things. I don't want to try and sure. stuff too much in, but I want to ask you questions. Something that's always been uh, started as as a, as a rumor. I actually tried it myself. I want to see if you know anything about it. Oh, okay. Which is the dark side of the moon <laughs> and the Wizard of Oz. I have done it. Can can, can you t- explain a little bit about that and tell well, me? Here's the interesting part to that, is that when Dark Side of the Moon came out, if you'll look at the cover of the album, you see the triangle, which looks sort of... prism or something, right? Yeah, Yeah. like a prism. And you have this white beam of light that hits the prism, and then it breaks into these multicolored lighting rainbow. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, it's like black and white in color, half the film black and white, when she gets to Oz, it's in color. And what's the number one song somewhere over the rainbow? Right. You see the rainbow appear after it goes through the triangle. So people were saying, wow, that might be a visual clue right here. And then if you sync it up and you have to start on the third roar of the MGM line, it's where you use the vinyl, you start, and it starts with, uh, I love the thing, what is it? The first one is Run. You better run. Yeah. And uh, it has the scene where it says balanced on the biggest wave. And that's when Dorothy's walking across the pig pen. And then when she falls, it immediately goes into the synthesizer segment. Right. You know, when they're running, trying to get her out. And uh, when the school teacher, who's also the Wicked Witch of the West, when she appears, you hear these bells ringing. And it's like little bicycle bells. And she's riding a bicycle. <laughs> and you have all of that, and then you have things in the song. If you haven't tried it, you need to do it. What, what, what we're saying is on the third roar of the MGM line on Wizard of Oz, you put the needle in the mm-hmm. record at the start of Dark Side of the Moon, and, or start the CD or whatever it may be, yeah. and it syncs up audio-wise together. It's very uncanny. Turn the soundtrack down to the movie mm-hmm. and follow along with the lyrics. And, you know, there's just us and them when the ballerinas are dancing perfectly in time to the music. And then when the Dorothy sees the Wicked Witch under the house, there's a line where it says uh, black, black and blue. When it shows black, it shows the Wicked Witch's feet sticking out. She's wearing a black dress. When it goes blue, Dorothy's wearing a blue dress. And it says, I don't know which is which, two witches. You got the good witch coming in. I mean... So you look at it and you're saying, it's it's just a series of great coincidences. Well, (laughs) Parsons says that there was no way they did it. This is the engineer, Alan Parsons. Alan Parsons. And, um, you know, when they're talking about it, they said, no, no way. It can't be true. But if you do a little research, you notice that Roger Waters actually had scored Zabriskie Point. So he did know how to sync music with a film. Of course, in those days, there was no VCRs, so what you'd have to do is actually have a 16-millimeter version of the film and write your music with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it keeps living forever. I mean, it's another one. And uh, when we talk about legends and urban legends and myths, I mean, what a better way to discover an incredible range of music by great artists than to, to go through this and experience it yourself. Right. I mean, that's what makes it fun. So The Wizard of Oz was, was fun to do. And I love the end. When uh, Dorothy's listening to the tin chest, the tin woodsman's heart, and you hear this boom, 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 right at the end, <laughs> and you know you're sort of saying, 
they had to do something. I mean, surely there's they too did. many of these. Once again, perfect audio sync. Right. It's to, a I mean, perfect sync. I, I, I would. Then again, it's the early seventies. A lot of drugs are going around. Maybe they did sit there and decide to do it. Who knows? But the I don't think that's even possible. But it's such a beautiful coincidence that if you're a rock and roll fan and a movie fan, you have to check this out. It's crazy. It is, and it started in Boston with a radio station in Boston that came on and said, "You know, I was sitting here last night and I decided I'd play Dark Side of the Moon with the Wizard of Oz." And you're saying, "How in God's name would you do that? Just come up with the idea." <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's just a happy coincidence, right? It's like doing the first Van Halen album with Spartacus or something. You know, yeah, you know, yeah it's like what? It just doesn't fit, does it? <laughs> but I mean, it was just just cleverly placed together. If it's a coincidence, it's a great thing to listen to and see. Yeah. Plus, you get to see a great classic movie, a great classic, and hear a great classic album. Exactly, so there's nothing to be lost. Last question for you, Gary: What's your favorite Beatles album of all time? Oh my gosh, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> what I do is I I put them in categories. There's only there's two that stand out. I think Revolver is my favorite, only because it was so different, and I can listen to that album over and over and over, even today. Mm-hmm. Still sounds fresh. But Abbey Road yeah. is the masterpiece. Yeah. So I consider Revolver in their first stage, and then Abbey Road is the masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And you know. Sergeant Pepper's I like, but it's not my favorite and not even my second favorite. But when you listen to it, I mean, it's, it's a fun album. You can see the evolution with it. And probably one thing to say, the Beatles destroyed themselves on their creativity because after they finished uh, doing Sergeant Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour, their fans always wanted to keep exploring you got to change you got to do something different you can't be like the last album so then they finally just went back and said you know let's just play guitars let's like get we back used to. yeah and that's when the white album back came to it, out. yeah right. and uh and you can do that but it's kind of sad because when the rolling stones tried to copy the sergeant pepper's thing or majesty's satanic majesty's uh, request i mean it falls miserably that's why brian jones hated it so much <laughs> yeah. but if you look in the picture You'll see the Beatles images in the hedges on the cover of on Satanic, the cover of on her Majesty, Satanic Satanic Majesties. Satanic mm-hmm. yeah. because they wanted to return the favor because on Sergeant Pepper's Stones welcome right. the Rolling Stones <laughs> it's on right, the doll. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of fun. But when you think of that, you know, there, no one has ever expressed the creativity that the Beatles were able to use. And what really gets me, Chris, you know, the the recording field. When I sit there and think that Sergeant Pepper was cut on a four track, yes, and Abbey Road was cut on an eight track, yeah. and a day you can split to a sixty, yeah. split to a thirty-two, split to a sixty-four, yeah, yeah and it's you incredible. can do hundreds of digital tracks, yeah, but incredible. nobody has ever came close to the production yeah. that they were able to do, yeah. And when Strawberry Fields Forever came out, John Lennon cut two versions; one was faster and one was slower. And George Martin says, what do you want to do? So let's use them both. So here they are. You know, they had to splice it in together. So as a musician, you listen to it completely different. Right. You, you know, because you listen to all yeah. the nuances. That's right. And uh, as someone who just loves music, then, you know, you're going to listen to the melody. You're going to listen to the lyrics and the overall effect it has on you as a listener. 
but as a musician you're trying to say what did he do to get that sound on guitar you know and and it's just so fascinating that's to go right with. just the vibe of it the, the last clue, clue talking about abby road that we never discussed was don't pass me by when ringo says oh yeah you're in a car crash and you lost your hair yeah which if it's it better be a clue because if not it's a terrible lyric yeah it's awful lyric <laughs> i have a friend is, who's bill harry uh-huh. who's john lennon's best friend in london right. okay and i asked him about that line and he laughed and he said well in Liverpool, we have a slang term, and it says "don't lose your hair," which means don't lose your temper. So you were in a car crash, you ah, lost your hair, you get pissed off. Yeah, of course it sounds so much better. <laughs> yeah, that's a clue. A clue you know? Gary, it's been great talking to you, man. Oh man, I mean, it's great to meet exciting. you. Talk we have to, to have you, another Chris. part. I know there's a lot more mysteries and legends oh, out there for sure. We got plenty to go. <laughs> Thanks, bud. A very big thank you to everybody for coming along here today. I'm making a. Well, you know, you made the show anyway. Wonderful audience. All right, thanks to our Gary Patterson, the late, great uh, Gary. Only met him once for that hour that we spent together talking about Paul McCartney and Buddy Holly and Dark Side of the Moon. And I really enjoyed talking to him, and I'm actually really bummed out that we won't ever have an opportunity to sit down again. I wanted to do a part two with him, but I'm always going to uh, cherish the fact I got to do part one and his uh, his last interview, as far as I know, right here on Talk is Jericho. So once again, go check out uh, Walrus is Paul, which documents the Paul is Dead urban legend in greater detail than we did in this podcast. You can find everything at rgarypatterson.com or on Amazon as well. Once again, my condolences go out to his family and his friends, uh, Dave Schrader, Tim Dennis uh, from Beyond the Darkness were the ones who told me about his passing. I know how much you've been missed and I'll always uh, uh, enjoy the time we had with him. So uh, here's to our Gary Patterson, man. Let's give a little 10 second moment of silence. All right, thanks to our Gary Patterson, and uh, thanks to Team Tiger Awesome for being so ridiculously uh, ridiculous. We've got another body with visible head trauma. Corner of Wabash and Fraterno. Must be Monday. Two hard-edged detectives will chase a stack of bodies. Hendrix, what can you tell me about the murder victim? Is, is, is that a margarita? With the help of their freewheeling crime scene investigator to find a trail of corruption. I call it Juice Plus. The plus means booze. Can you take off your sunglasses? This is a lab. The murder victim. What can you tell us? I mean, I wouldn't kick her out of bed. Jesus. I mean, that's how she died, being kicked. Who wants shots? Please don't breathe your party fumes in my face. This fall, stay tuned to CBS. And keep your eyes on the ball to more PD. To find out more, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network and Podcast One. Like I said, ridiculous, ridiculous. You know you can laugh along with Team Tiger Awesome every Sunday when they drop new episodes. Go subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Do the same for all the great shows on the Jericho Network. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. New episodes every Monday. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Lots of great wrestling analysis. Raven Effect. New episodes every Monday. And, of course, the flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan. Uh, always such a great show, one of my favorites during the week. Beyond the Darkness are here, all things paranormal, Monday through Friday. And if you haven't checked out the latest podcast from Beyond the Darkness, get to patreon.com, sign up. They're doing True Crime Tuesdays, doing it ad-free, no commercials, just five bucks a month, and you get a new episode every Tuesday. Sign up now at patreon.com. All right, Fozzie's heading to uh, London to do the Download Festival June 11th. 
hosting the Metal Hammer Golden Gods Awards on June 12th. Milton Keynes on the 13th. Maybe another show on the 14th. We're not sure yet. Uh, maybe. Wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Uh, a couple spoken word shows in Ireland. The Words of Jericho. Listen in, man. June 7th in Belfast is sold out. June 8th in Dublin. There's about 50 tickets left at Vicar Street. You can get those at Ticketmaster.ie. And don't forget about the Words of Jericho in my hometown of Winnipeg with special guests Lance Storm and Cyrus. August 25th at the Club Regent uh, Event Center. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. And let me give one last shout-out to all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors. You find that podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button at the top of the page. Hit the Talk is Jericho button. Thanks to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. 20% off the DDP Yoga app and all DDPY merch. Sacks. Go to saxunderwear.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off your first order. Lyft. Sign up at lyft.com slash Jericho. Get your $500 new driver bonus. ZipRecruiter.com slash Jericho to post your first job for free. Little Caesars, Geico, all of the great people that have uh, checked out this show today and that have checked out Judas. 4.1 million views on uh, on uh, YouTube already and already in top 40 in the charts. We're just getting we're just getting started. So go check out Judas if you haven't heard it already. Thank you for listening. Keep listening to the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and on Friday. Beatles Week continues on Talk is Jericho with the 50th anniversary of the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club album with Mike Portnoy and Charlie Benanti from Anthrax. The Fab Three has been reunited. It's Sgt. Pepper 50 this Friday. Until then, in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big boy. Cranberry Souls. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. 